A website is never finished, especially a B2B tech website. Welcome to Forward Slash, the podcast that explores how B2B tech companies can leverage their websites to achieve fast, efficient, predictable, and scalable growth. In each episode, I take a big issue affecting the B2B tech landscape and then pick the brains of marketing leaders around the world to learn how the issue affects the questions B2B tech marketers should be asking about their websites and how to answer them. Let's get into it. Laurie Sullivan, CMO at Mango Mint, which is a platform that provides end-to-end business solutions for specifically salons and spas, um, and also an executive member of the Pavilion community. Thanks for joining me today. Really excited to speak with you. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks, Adam. Doing well. Excited to chat with you today. Yeah, me too. Really excited about this. I think you guys are in a really interesting uh, uh, position. So just to learn about that would be, I think, really juicy but I also just want to talk about website strategy and how you're approaching that. Um, recently, I've been exploring uh, just like how websites can influence the entire prospect to, to happy customer mm-hmm. process. I think we both agree that the website can pretty much impact the entire experience. So I'm really looking forward to learning about how you're thinking about that, given the interesting economic time that we're all kind of operating in right now. All that being said, I think a good place to start is if you can just tell me a little bit about yourself and and how you found your way to becoming the CMO in Mango Mint. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100% agree on the importance of, of the website in a SaaS business. So excited to excited to chat about that today. Um, but yeah, a little background on me. Um, I've been the CMO at Mango Mint for about six months. So a, a newer role, we can get into that in a little bit. Mm. Uh, previously, I was um, at another SaaS company in a different industry um, for almost eight years um, as VP of marketing um, and really uh, was able to build that team and inbound engine from the ground up. Um, and about six months ago, like I said, I made the move over to Mango Mint. One of the things that was really interesting to me was that it is a vertical SaaS business and it is fully product led. Um, We hear so much about PLG right now and a lot of companies are trying to make the move from a sales led motion to a product led motion, but it's really been in Mango Mint's DNA from the Um, Mm get-go. That was super Uh, super exciting to me. And we also, because of that, are able to really blend marketing into product way more than I've ever experienced in my past roles. Um, So that was super exciting. Um, So yeah, I came on six months ago and have been focused on standing everything up, building the team. um, And it's been, it's been exciting so far. Thanks for taking me through that. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot there, and, and I'm looking forward to kind of unpacking all of that. Uh, can you first tell me about Mango Mint, just like who it is, who it's for, why they should care about it, all that good stuff? Yeah, for sure. So Mango Mint's a platform for salons and spas. Um, it, it's really um, a software that's meant to be an operating system um, that salons and spas can fully run their business on. Uh, so think about everything from booking appointments to taking payments Um, to communicating with clients, um, the marketing to clients, really anything that a salon or spa would need um, for their day-to-day business. Um, Like I said, we're a vertical SaaS company, so we really focus in that salon and spa space. Um, But we also focus on, again, giving them everything they need. So we want to be that mission-critical 
platform, uh, mm -hmm. not just serving one function, but all of the functions throughout their day-to-day -day business operations. Is this a particularly saturated market or is it is it young? Curious about that. It's a great question. Uh, no, so we're certainly not the first people to tackle salon and spa software. Uh, most often we are unseating a competitor when someone comes to us. Um, they're typically unhappy with their current solution. Um, and we often find that we can present the differentiators um, and, and really show the value of MangoMint and get someone over um, over to using MangoMint instead. Um, so yeah, from a marketing perspective, I define us as a challenger brand, and a lot of gotcha. our messaging and the things that you know we're putting out into the market have that flavor. Gotcha. That's really interesting. The whole idea of the vertical SaaS space. Um, I've kind of I've kind of been exploring recently. I had Drew Brucker uh, on the show. He's the VP of Growth at Lasso, and they're also a vertical company. We are looking at some data. The 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 provider is good fit, and they provide information around like funding and series rounds, and um, they break it up into different subcategories. And it was really interesting to see that vertical SaaS is actually getting a lot more funding than like your typical like niche products. So it seems like the money is floating towards. Uh, you know, these platforms, which kind of makes sense, right? I, I, I guess if we want to think about it, it's like there's more money there because we're trying to get a bigger piece of the pie. Just want to get your insights there. Is that is that kind of like, is the industry moving towards like platform now? And is that why all the money's going there? What I'm hearing, and, and I don't necessarily have the data to back it up, but qualitatively, um, I would say I've heard so much more about vertical SaaS in the last, let's say, couple years, um, especially the last year than ever before. I don't know if it's effects of the pandemic where, you know, software became even more critical to a lot of industries, um, or we just experienced a lot of change. But, um, you know, again, coming over to MangoMint, like one of the attractive things to me was that it was vertical SaaS, was the deep focus in the industry, not just serving one function that a business might need, but every single single facet of their operations. I think when you can do that and do that successfully, it, the product becomes so sticky. It's mm -hmm. incredibly difficult to transition off onto something else. And you become almost attached <laughs> to the product in a way where it is mission critical to your business, not growing, but even just functioning. So I, I'm not surprised Rise. Like I also mm -hmm. had that interest. Um, so it's not, you know, shocking. I think vertical SaaS is super interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that we really focus on, um, and I'll, we explain this a lot in comparison to like our competitors, we feel like our, our competitors kind of insert themselves between our, you know, the customer and their client a lot. Um, and it can feel clunky. We really are on a mission to make our software invisible. And when we tell people that that's our mission, mm -hmm. oftentimes they're like, huh, that's an interesting way to think about it. But mm -hmm. that's absolutely our approach to building product because we want it to feel as seamless as possible. Just like this is the backbone of your business running. And so our goal is to create a seamless experience for our customer and all of their clients as well. Um, and really be like that an invisible mechanism in the background. And I don't know that you get that outside of vertical SaaS. 
Gotcha. Um, I'm, I'm curious to learn about how you handled that transition. You said that you came from a more specialized product. Yeah. What was that like? Like, how did you prepare for it? What was your process around like going and understanding just like the lay of the land? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that it was a huge focus in my first 30, 60, 90 days um, of learning the industry. I came from a product that was more like in the transportation space. So mm -hmm. certainly a different vibe <laughs> than salons and spas and going imagine. deep, deeply into those businesses. Um, but it's been a really fun transition, honestly. Um, I have really enjoyed getting to our market and our customer. We're really big on customer visits. Um, we encourage literally anyone in the organization to go to a customer that's near them or in a place or city that they're visiting. Um, so mm. those have been tremendously helpful, like actually getting to interface with customers. Um, that's huge. Um, I listen to a ton of sales and onboarding calls. Um, you know, we also have a number of a pretty large number of people within our organization that come from the industry. And they are an absolute wealth of knowledge. I think that's why we've been able to build such fantastic product as well, um, because we, we've leveraged that knowledge. Um, but yeah, I did, I mean, an incredibly um, deep dive into the market, into the customer, into competitors as well, because that's a big you know, external area that was important for me to understand before we really started working on messaging and positioning. Um, and with it being a new market to me, I don't necessarily have any background in salons and spas other than being a client of them. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm still exploring that all the time. And I think like open line of communication with customers is the best way to do that. Can we dive into the goals and the objectives and the KPIs? I'm curious how, yeah. how you're approaching that because we're going through this transition now where the big buzzword is demand generation and versus lead generation or demand capture KPIs yeah. and, and leading indicators change um, depending on what side of, of the coin you're on. So I'm curious, like, what it, how are you holding yourself accountable and, and how are you um, kind of measuring your team? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you first how I structure the team. Um, so we have three core swim lanes under the marketing umbrella. The first is demand generation. So mm -hmm. perfectly aligned with what you said. Um, the second is content and community. Um, both of those words are super intentional. Um, and then the third is product growth, which is also a very intentional um, name. Uh, some might call it product marketing. We're calling it product growth because we're trying to do it a little different here uh, because we are, you know, that really true PLG company when we're mm -hmm. kind of trying to blend the worlds of marketing and product. So demand gen, content community, and product growth. Um, each has their own kind of core KPIs and, you know, what they are um, you know measured on, but at the end of the day, our team is in the business of pipeline creation, um, which is why we focus on demand gen versus just lead gen or capture. Um, you know, for us, when we create go-to-market models and model out how we're going to get to our revenue goal for the year. Um, we are 100% inbound. Um, so that is going to come from what marketing is generating. Um, and so for us, like 
leads are great, MQLs are great, but we care about what we call sales qualified leads or SQLs, aka pipeline. Um, and so when we think about you know how we're measuring our team's effectiveness and our growth over time, we're looking at are we hitting our monthly SQL goals that we've laid out and projected um, in our go-to-market model that will ultimately get us to that revenue number at the end of the year where we really want to be. So pipeline is where we're laser focused and each kind of division of marketing connects to that in certain ways and has their own KPIs that they're looking at. Did you, en- did you enter an organization that already got it or was there a little bit of buy-in that you needed to, to acquire as Definitely. far as like... Yeah, definitely education and buy-in for sure. I -hmm. came from a much larger organization actually into Megamet, which was smaller. Um, And so there was a lot of formalization and frameworks around the go-to-market process, modeling, goal setting um, that needed some formality. Um, But I think that that has to be there to hold the team accountable um, Mm -hmm. and to help them understand like, Hey, I'm not just writing a blog post. I'm not just testing ad copy on a, you know, a Google search ad. Like I am contributing to our core metric, which is SQL's pipeline. Um, And they can clearly see how they're doing that. And I think that, so those mechanisms have to be in place. Um, but yeah, there was definitely some, some education and some uh, formality that needed to be introduced for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, thanks for taking me through that. So I, I would like to learn about the different motions and how they're kind of playing together. Um, so uh, you said it's mostly, it's hundred percent inbound uh, PLG led. I do see a demo request on there also. Yeah. But I'm curious about which call to action is for whom. And, and I know Mango Mint's got three different cus- types of customers. It's the owners and managers, then there's their service practitioners, and then there's the actual front desk users. I'm assuming they're all entering the product separately or a different person is requesting a demo request than the, tr- the free trial. Can you take me through like what you're learning uh, throughout like those journeys? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so with the personas you mentioned, most often what we see, whether it's the PLG side or the sales enabled side, um, we often see owners or managers as our like primary personas that will start a trial or request a demo of the product. They may ask service providers, front desk staff to jump into that trial as a user and kind of check it out, influence the decision. Um, But for the most part, we see owners and managers really be that key persona in in both tabs. But I will say that commonality allows us to almost have a little bit more of a hybrid PLG sales-led motion, um, I would say it leans more toward like a sales assist on most trials. Um, Our ultimate goal is to get you into the product as seamlessly and easily as possible. Um, We have a really strong onboarding flow within the trial process um, and it's built into the product. Like it's not a third-party widget of any kind. And that works really well for people who want to self-serve because if you want to self-serve and be true, like product led, 
we want you to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, we essentially want you to be able to explore the product as easily as possible and in the way that you want. If someone starts a trial of our product, no matter the size, we will have sales reach out to you to offer that support, but they end up being a little more consultative of like, how's your business set up? What can the different areas of the product add value to you in? This is how other customers like you have set up forms, memberships, all these different things. We really focus on letting the customer or the, the prospective customer lead in that way. Um, so I would say we have more of like a uh, hybrid or maybe sales assist mm -hmm. uh, motion when it comes to the marketing and sales process. I've been exploring ABM or ABX recently. Is that an intentional function for you in Mango Mint? Like perhaps let, let's say if you have like you see the front desk workers using the free trial at a specific account, do you activate like a sales motion to come around and go, go for like the owner, uh, just kind of like get the entire buyer group interacted? I would say nothing that is like formalized or automated for the most part, sales will always try to get the person that's going to see the most impact in the conversation. And sure. that's always going to either be the owner or the manager or both. Um, gotcha. So it kind of depends on the situation. Those personas scale a little bit across size. So an owner is likely going to be in a conversation if the customer or the prospect is a lot smaller um, in a larger, let's say salon environment with multi-locations, you'll likely have more of a manager or admin type persona that is likely able to make the decision or, or could be able to make the decision at that point. So they'll fill it out based on the size um, and kind of adjust accordingly. But ultimately, like I said, we just want the prospect to be able to explore the product mm. how they want and, and really like lead. And our sales people are there to kind of consult along the way to show them that value. And then we actually have a pretty unique process in the sense that um, kind of paired with sales, we have onboarding specialists that even during your trial experience will help you onboard and just be sure that your data is in properly and everything that you need to kind of check off the list that you've set up to really see the value. It's kind of interesting when you talk about injecting onboarding which is free, by the way, like not, not no paid onboarding services or anything. Um, it's, it's interesting and a little bit different from sales processes that I've been, um, you know, involved with in the past, but for us, it makes for a much more healthy, activated customer. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. Um, thank you for taking me through that. So I'd like to talk about your website now and, and okay. how it, it, it kind of influences pretty much everything that we've talked about up until this point. I, I was on your website. I wanted to get your 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 insight or the logic behind uh, specific elements because I really like what you're doing with your website. Um, uh, if if we can just like talk about the homepage first and specifically the hero sure. section, I'm noticing like the, the first thing that you talk about is uh, the booking tool, I believe. Um, but again, you're you're a vertical SaaS company. You have all of these features. So I'm curious, uh, how did you land on that? Or are we currently are we seeing an experiment that you're testing? I'm just curious, curious how you landed on on that messaging. 
Yeah, it's a great question because we do serve so many functions for our customers, but really booking is the core of what we do. It's really when it comes to like from the customer's perspective, booking is kind of where it all starts because if you don't have clients coming in for appointments and an easy way to manage that, you're not going to be taking payments. You're not going to be, you know, managing client communication. You're not going to be, uh, you know, selling memberships, gift cards, all these different things. So it's really the core of what we do. Um, so that's really the first thing we focus on. We want you to know you're in the right place. Um, it's typically also how uh, prospects are searching for software like Mangomet. Um, like I said, you know, we're not booking software isn't a brand new thing. Uh, we're not reinventing the wheel. Most often prospects are looking for an alternative to a booking solution that they already have. And so from a search engine perspective, it's definitely where we optimize. Um, and we'll follow up if you, you know, scroll a little further down the homepage, you'll notice we mentioned some of the other key elements like payments, point of sale, client mm-hmm. management, those things, but really put booking front and center. The other thing that I like is how open you are, public you are with, with the actual product. And depending on who you talk to, whether sales or marketers are like, oh, we don't want to give away the secret sauce. We don't want to just dis- dis- display it, which I think is a little bit, I don't know, crazy. <laughs> I'm going to use that word. <laughs> Um, but it, it just like scrolling through your homepage, there's images of your product is the actual product. I'm assuming, I mean, it, it, yep. it looks like it, it is. And Absolutely. then there's even, there are gifts that take me through an entire like feature function, like the entire experience. I think that's the booking one that I was on. You don't, I don't see this very often now. I'm curious, like, what was the thought process behind there? Was there any kind of buy-in? Um, and, and I know you're only six months into this job, so perhaps this is something that was going on before, but just kind of curious behind the the logic of displaying the product uh, so openly. Yeah, there's absolutely a logic there. Um, you know, for us, we being a product led company, we really want the product to speak for itself, sell itself. And if you can't showcase the product or it has to be like, <laughs> polished up and, and, you know, by design or something like that, you know, that's not your real product. One of the things that we really focus on as a differentiator is us having a, we always say beautiful interface, but it's not necessarily just about the aesthetics. It's about how you want to use it. It's easy to use. It's seamless. It's pleasing. Um, but you can't, that if we're not showing you exactly what that looks like. And so whether it is product images or um, something with motion or, you know, something included in a video, um, you know, we're striving to do more and more of that because we really do think if our market can see our product, that's like one of the easiest ways to show differentiation because it's, better built, better mm-hmm. designed um, than a lot of our, our competitors' products. Um, and so we really want to show that off. Makes sense. Yeah, I had, um, <clears throat> if you're familiar with April Dunford, uh, we were talking mm-hmm. about positioning. Um, yeah. and, and one of the things that she mentioned that kind of blew my mind was that uh, like 50% of deals, it was like between 40 and 60% of deals fall through because they were afraid to make another choice. And, and, and the core of the conversation was that you just building confidence. You need to provide that confidence for your buyer. They're not going to make the, yeah. 
make the purchase. And I just feel like that's just a necessary step to build confidence is showcase your product so that they know exactly what yeah. they're going to get. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. I think, you know, when you're thinking about just change management in general, whether personal in a business, it's so much easier to do nothing and stick with what you have. Yeah. So you really have to present if you're a challenger brand, like if you already have a significant amount of competitors out there, it's, you have to be open. You have to really show the value of what you're selling. Um, and, and so that's, that's really what we've tried to do um, in an effort to give people that trust uh, in mm -hmm. the product um, to really show how we're different. And that's been, that's been the idea behind it for sure. I have your website up. I'm just kind of like <laughs> just off the cuff right now. I'm noticing an image here. Uh, I believe it's for like the payment, one of the payment sides. You actually have an image that showcases a text message. It's a notification that I'm assuming is obviously built in the product. And it says, mm -hmm. please pay for your visit at, at Sage Spa. Um, are you, did you include that element in the image because that's a major pain point or are salons and spas, are they uh, like payment collection? Is that like one of the big, big issues there? Yeah. Depending on the business type, um, sometimes it's like taking deposits before a service. Sometimes it's the act of payment collection after. So we actually have a, an option to text the client and take their payment instantly just from their phone um, instead of having to go to the front desk if you have limited front desk staff. Um, we also through a lot of the visuals on our site like we recognize and want to showcase like what our product experience looks like for our mm -hmm. customer and our customers clients. A lot of times we get the question of hey like uh, I get that I can use the calendar and move things around with bookings but what does that actually look and feel like for my clients when they're booking. And so, you know, we try our best to show that perspective as well, because it's incredibly important to them, you know, their own client experience. The reason I bring it up is because uh, what I love about what you guys are doing is you're providing additional context via images as well. That's totally something that you could have written in, you know, in, in the copy to the side of the image, but I feel like it's more of a powerful experience when they can see like, okay, this is actually yeah. a notification that I'm going to get and it's infused in the image, which like I said, like a lot of B2B tech isn't doing that. And I think we can always, we can all just like give a little bit more thought into the images that we're um, integrating into our websites. I also like that you have uh, webinars, like an entire uh, resource section. And I'm curious what behavior you're seeing and just like, what, what is the goal? What are you trying to, to, to uh, accomplish with it? Two goals, acquisition and education. Um, you know, I think that when it comes to uh, content community, um, a B2B brand has the opportunity to educate without having to ask for information or make someone stomach a sales call. Um, and we can do that through things like our blog, things like webinars. Um, right now, a lot of our webinars are more focused on the product and, and different features. Um, one of the things that we're currently working on is more um, 
business knowledge um, oriented webinars that virtually mm. have nothing to do with, uh, you know, the experience you're going to have in the Mango Mint product and could be very widely viewed. Um, that's one of our content and community initiatives that we have coming up. Um, and we're very excited about that. We really want to, especially being a vertical SaaS business, you know, we, we have and can share so much knowledge about how to build a successful salon and spa. We have customers with a wealth of knowledge in that area as well. And so for us, it's about uh, aggregating the knowledge, building it out in a way that's easy uh, to understand and, and digest, um, and then distributing that to our own customer base, to others that follow us and, and further out into the market. And so education through content community efforts are a big focus area for us right now. Um, I'm curious, is there, uh, is there anything that's planned for the site that, that we might consider exciting or anything in, in the future, whether this year or next year, just kind of curious about that. Tons of things. We're always testing and iterating on our website. I am a, a really big believer in like constant focus on conversion rate optimization. I think mm. cross-functionally, if you can bring the players that need to come together together and usually like a bi-weekly cadence, almost like a two-week sprint um, for some of those like CRO activities. I've done this in my, my past role as well, and it's worked pretty well. Um, so I would say that's a good way to set it up uh, between like dev, design, demand gen, and then some sort of like strategic presence, whether it's a marketing leader or someone on the brand side. Mm. Um, that's a good way to architect that so that you're constantly testing and constantly iterating, whether it's on conversion points, messaging and positioning, um, or, you know, other things. Right now, we have a couple videos on our site that we know are drastically contributing to conversion. Um, and so we're trying to get as many eyeballs on those as possible. Um, our website, even the hero section of the website may have changed since you looked at it earlier sure. today, because we just pushed something out um, in that vein. So there's always things happening. Because, um, you know, a website, or I, th I think a SaaS website, it's kind of like a really needy plant. It's like, you have to <laughs> consistently water it and pay attention to it or else it goes dry and has no opportunity to grow at all. So we're constantly working on that. I would say for us, one of the things we're working on this quarter that I'll tease, but can't really say fully is um, in an effort to get more of our site visitors into the product quicker without too much of an ask. Um, and again, it just goes back to, uh, showing the product off. Um, you know, we're, we're very proud of what we've built and it is tremendously helpful to the customers that use it. Um, and so we want to get it in front of more people. Um, and not everyone's going to want to start a trial. Certainly not everyone's going to want to get into a live demo um, with someone on the sales side. Um, so we're trying to get exposure to the product. Um, to happen more and more. One thing that came to mind when you were talking through that is uh, experimentation can be um, pretty pretty resource intensive, uh, and there's a different there's a bunch of different ways to structure a team around it. Are do you use the products development team or do you have your own development team inside the marketing? 
org? So we have a development resource on the marketing side. Gotcha. Um, okay. In the past, I've used shared ones before. I will say if my advice would be if you can afford it as an organization and want to prioritize your website, get a dedicated marketing dev resource, sure. whether mm -hmm. that's like a designer dev or someone who's specific to development and then you leverage your design team, um, that would always be my advice just because you should be testing, iterating, cultivating a, a, a website just like you're doing on the product side. Like there's never a down moment, mm -hmm. really. There's never downtime in terms of constant iteration, planned updates, new content. So it, it really pays off to have someone um, dedicated. Otherwise you're just fighting with product for resources. Beautifully said, uh, I love it. That's kind of something that we lean into is the idea that your website's also product, right? It's, it's approach oh, yeah. your website as if you're approaching, like your website should have a roadmap also. Um, yeah, I've always been of the opinion that the, I always say marketing site, just so there's never any, you know, uh, uh, issue understanding which site it is, um, or like the lingo there, but like the marketing site is just as important as the product itself. If you didn't have a marketing site, how are people finding your product? How are you right. selling it? How are they getting into it? So they, one doesn't exist without the other in my eyes. Agreed. This is the last question before we get into a, a, just like a, a few rapid fires. Um, given everything that we talked about so far to you, what do you think is the, the weak point, the shared weakness, but behind all B2B tech SaaS websites, what could we be doing better at as a whole? I'll say two things. Um, one in short is messaging. Um, but to, to put more like life behind that comment, I think that Telling the story of customer impact is not something that SaaS businesses always do well. I think mm -hmm. some of them do, um, but like communicating the real value, like the real life value. And I think it's so important in vertical SaaS, especially if you're saying this is going to be your mission critical platform for your business top to bottom. Um, it's certainly easier said than done, um, but it is so so important telling the story of not just value but impact um i think that is key and again a lot of functions have to come together for that to happen in the best way and for it to be executed well on a website but i think it makes all the difference mm -hmm. um and then the other would just be give people more access to both education and the product uh without just crazy gated experiences. Um, you know, we talk all the time, I feel like in B2B marketing now of like, you know, gating ebooks and webinar or uh, white papers or like a, a story of, you know, yesteryear. And I feel like mm -hmm. people on the content side are really getting away from it. Um, but I think really, if you're trying to educate a market, why do you gate anything? And then um, even more so now from a PLG perspective, like people who don't have a free trial and, and aren't just like fully in the enterprise space. Um, if you don't have a free trial, if you have to talk to sales to get the trial or, you know, whatever it is, it's not a great experience. Like it's very clunky. There's a lot mm -hmm. of friction. Um, if you're proud of your product, show it to people, let people play around in it pretty uh, frictionlessly. Um, mm -hmm. So those would be my, 
my wishes for uh, B2B marketers. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, just a couple more questions here. Uh, two are your sources of inspiration. So I'm a huge podcast person. Um, I consume so much podcast content always in like the one and a half speed. So it's just like really efficient <laughs> knowledge. Um, but I'm a, a huge fan of like um, Lenny's podcast and newsletter. Um, there's a great product led podcast out there. Um, and then he, he charges like, for that newsletter, right? Uh, yeah, there's a, well, he'll drip you some free stuff. Oh, okay. um, and then there's a paid version as well. Gotcha. Sure, sure, sure. We <laughs> uh, yeah, product led podcasts. And then I've always followed um, all of Dave Gerhardt's stuff. And he recently started Exit 5. They have a podcast and a lot of great content. Are you or Mangalant going to be partaking in any upcoming events that you would like listeners to know about? I'll be at Saster later this year um, cool. and haven't been uh, in a while. So uh, excited about that. And then last question for you, Lori, where can people get in touch with you? I'm assuming LinkedIn is the best place. Yeah, it's just Lori Sullivan on LinkedIn. And then if you're interested in learning more about MangoMint, it's just MangoMint.com. There you have it. Um, Lori, thank you so much. This has been great. Uh, learned a lot of stuff. You know, this is, this is a new podcast and, and, uh, we're, we're all kind of just getting our feet wet here. So I really appreciate the, the support and, and, um, you know, just talking this shit through with me. This has been really interesting. I've learned a lot. Um, and hopefully this isn't the last conversation, but, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Adam. Really fun conversation. Appreciate it.